Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 40. You've got Chris and Brian. Uh, this time around, we're going to talk about trunk guns, or sometimes referred to as truck guns, but otherwise, long guns that are kept in your vehicle for purposes uh, we're going to get into. Absolutely. Um, and, and also, maybe maybe not long guns, maybe handguns. Uh, you know, AR pistols are kind of the craze. Um, different things like that have become an option. A lot of guys are taking, you know, shorty AK pistols and uh, using arm braces and turning those into truck guns, trunk guns, whatever you want to call them. Um, so we, we kind of have a couple things we want to check off a list on this as we talk about it. And, and I'm going to start off with, um, in, in no particular order, but start off with the legality of trunk monkeys. Um, right now, a lots and lots of folks seem to be assuming that because an AR pistol is a pistol, that it's legal for concealed carry in the state of Ohio. Um, I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on TV, and I did not stay in a Holiday Inn Express last night. But I do no, do not know that to be a fact because I don't know how Ohio defines a handgun specifically. So definitely not throwing out there that um, it's illegal or it's legal either way. I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm telling you to check into it, do your own due diligence, and make sure that that. AR with a law side folder, 11 half inch barrel, 30 round mag, optic, flashlight, and sling is going to be considered um, a handgun in the state of Ohio should you ever actually need to use it or have it loaded in your vehicle and and have to have that conversation. Uh, From a legal perspective, I will tell you that that not to pick on any of our law enforcement guys, but there's a lot of information those guys have to keep up on a lot of information that their administrative end of the business has to project to them and make sure they know. Um, and, and I would tell you that based on some of our clientele conversations with law enforcement guys, um, not all these guys are going to understand what an AR pistol is versus an SBR. They're going to know it has a barrel shorter than 16 inches, and that may be enough for you to be having the conversation from the inside of a jail cell or the back of a police cruiser. Um, and, and let your attorney sort it out, which is fine if that's cool with you, but just be aware that the idea of an, of an AR pistol is kind of a new thing. And if you catch the right officer in the right municipality or the right place that's not necessarily a gun guy or gal, they may not know that that's a handgun. So be aware of that as you're out in the world and, and maybe have mentally prepared yourself or wargamed yourself for that conversation so that you're not digging a hole deeper than it needs to be. You know, agree with the officer and argue that from the cruiser or the jail cell with your attorney. So uh, just something to kick around. So uh, anything to add to that? Yeah, overall length has become an issue, especially with AR pistols. Uh-huh. Um, you know, what you're allowed to do to some degree is based on whether or not that is under what or over 26, 26. or 26 and a half. Again, not giving legal advice here, <clears throat> right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so as you're out there, you know, understand that, you know, if, if you're right on the cusp of that measurement, make sure you're on the right side of that measurement if you're doing these different things like considering it a pistol. Um, law folders can maybe buy you a little bit of grace in that regard because now you measure from the folding device to the crown rather than from the end of the buffer tube to the crown. So if you have an 11 half inch gun, that might have been over 26 or 26 and a half, whatever the number was, putting a law folder on it will likely push you back into handgun category pretty easily. If you want to run a 12 and a half inch gun, it still may allow you to run a 12 and a half inch barrel and still be considered a handgun because of the folder. 
Um, again, don't try and look for the place where law and common sense intersect because it doesn't exist on this topic. So, so go, go do your due diligence, go talk to your attorney if they're knowledgeable on these things, um, you know, and be extremely wary of internet research in that regard. Yeah, the internet is full of bad ideas. Bingo. Um, second topic I step into since we're not talking about actual guns right at this exact moment, um, morality. Um, you know, taking a weapon and putting it in your vehicle, um, having your cell phone in your car and having it locked, your cell phone's as secure as, secure as it needs to be because nobody's going to go shoot somebody with a cell phone. Um, you know, if you leave a handgun in your car because you uh, were out with the wife, decided to stop somewhere for dinner on the way home, and you said, hey, I want to have a beer, so you unload your gun and stow it in your vehicle appropriately, um, you know, is it secured properly? I don't know. Um, the glove box probably is good enough from a legal perspective, but is it good enough from a moral perspective? Now we're talking about taking a rifle and potentially kit to go along with it, something that's significantly more lethal. Um, and, and assuming if you're going to have the rifle, you're going to have a bag with some extra mags and some extra gear and stuff like that. Um, a, a, a truck gun, whether it's a, whether it's a pistol AR or whether it's a 16 inch gun or whatever, is a dramatically more lethal and effective tool for you to donate to some shit bag. Um, so, so consider these things, you know, we, we've got some customers out there who have built really cool storage devices in their vehicles out of plywood. Um, that's great, but it's probably not going to slow down any kind of legitimate bad guy. And it stores your weapon well, and it, and it keeps it from rattling around, and it looks really cool to have cut foam. Um, but if it's not really stopping or at least significantly slowing down a bad guy, consider that. Um, you know, hopefully if your gun gets stolen, it doesn't get used against a taxpayer um, or a law enforcement officer or a member of your community or something along those lines because it could come back to haunt you even if not legally, morally. So make sure you're securing your weapon. Um, there are a number of really good lock-in storage devices. If you have the right make and model of vehicle, most American or domestic made pickup trucks, you can buy really good built-in locking devices that go underneath the back seat, uh, different things of those nature. So, you know, kick those things around mentally. Do you want your weapon stolen and then used against a good guy down the road? Again, it may be legal for that to happen. It may not put you in any jeopardy legally, but you're going to have to live with it. So secure your crap, please. Um, next thing. Um, reality. What's the reality that you're going to utilize your trunk monkey? Um, we can all dream up the scenario. You know, oh, I was at the mall and stuff popped off, man. It was just like Africa and I wanted to be the SAS guy. Um, you know, and go and get my kit and throw in my armor and bring my rifle back into the conversation. Um, I'm almost 50 years old. I'm fat. I'm pretty sure that the run to the truck, if it didn't kill me, the run back with everything else might. Um, also, having on armor and carrying around a rifle or just grabbing a long gun will make you a much larger concern to law enforcement reacting. Um, you know, a, 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 a dude with a handgun may be a concealed carry guy. A dude with a rifle is probably the bad guy, and it may be a shoot first, ask questions later. So, so the reality of this conversation is, you know, if you're, if you're in your 5,500-pound V8-powered full-size domestic pickup truck and something pops off, 
from a legal perspective, from a reality perspective, might you have been better off to just hit the gas and run somebody over um, or to just leave or something along those lines too. Um, the reality check of, you know, having everything in your vehicle and being ready to go. If, if you're going to be out in the boonies and you want to have it with you, that's awesome. Um, you know, but if it's running around the world, what's the likelihood that you're actually going to go to your vehicle, retrieve whatever tools you think you need, and then get back into the fight? And then where does that put you from a visibility perspective for other good guys responding to the scene, whether it's a concealed carry permit holder um, or whether it's a police officer or whatever. So, you know, take into account the reality of it. You know, what's the likelihood you're actually going to use this tool? Um, and I don't say that to dissuade anybody or to poo-poo the idea or to say it's not legitimate. Um, I'm just saying that there's a little bit of a reality check to this. Um, if, if running that 400 yards across the mall and out across the parking lot to your vehicle is going to smoke you and have you so winded you're not going to be effective, maybe you'd be better off spending that money on a gym membership for a year and, and getting in shape. So just something to kick around. And, the, and this is the pot calling the kettle black. So if you're chubby, um, I'm not picking on you. I'm standing next to you trying to be realistic. So um, anything you want to add to the reality of that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I look at the, the whole trunk gun thing as more of a I'm multiple states away from home. Yeah. And I want to get back home. Yeah. Um, in the event something goes sideways, more on a national disaster standpoint. Yeah. Um, Long-term power outage. Just the world gets interesting. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I look at more at having a trunk gun for than being able to you know drop in and do commando shit. Yeah, because I'm I'm just not a commando. Um, so yeah, and like I said, I, I you know I, I do think there's probably an application for the truck gun. Um, if you are a law enforcement officer and you you know that's within your purview, maybe even within your tasking, depending on your department. I know if you're with CPD um, here locally you are on duty and supposed to be armed and have your badge with you and creds and all that fun stuff and cuffs and whatnot and your gun with you. You're supposed to have it with you all the time. Um, you know, so if that's the case and, and you have the skills and you're a rifle, patrol rifle operator, you're certified, then gosh, it would be awesome to have that guy ready to rock and roll. That's, that's an asset to the fight. Um, you know, so if that's the case, if you, if you can bring that to bear and be an asset to the fight, then by all means, please do so. Um, if you're traveling and you want to take it with you, not a bad idea. If you're going to be out in the boonies and take it with you. You know, I know when I go camping, I tend to take that kind of stuff with me. Um, but that's more from a different perspective. So, um, Yeah, one other thing you know, to keep in mind when you're traveling, firearm laws change on a state-by-state -state basis. Make sure you are fully aware of where you're going and what you're allowed to do while you're there. Yeah, yeah. Weigh those, weigh those risks accordingly. Um, you know, I know that, you know, back in the day, <coughs> years ago, I've, I've traveled places, you know, with a long gun that I wasn't supposed to, um, but based on politics at that particular point in time and some of the things happening in the national news media um, and some issues and based on where we were traveling through, I've, I've, that was a risk I was willing to take. Um, as I get older and now I have kids and I have responsibilities and stuff like that, you've got to weigh that out because, the, you know, the police officer in Illinois who pulls you over um, is likely not going to have any sympathy for the fact that you've taken a couple really good classes and you know how to use your gun. He's looking at you as a solid arrest in his state that's going to be something that looks good in his jacket, more than likely, depending on where you're at. 
So, and that's not a dig on law enforcement. That's just a reality check. Different places look at it differently. Uh, there are different cultures depending on where you're at. So, you know, understand that and, and weigh that carefully, very carefully. Um, trunk monkeys from a perspective of function. Um, we got a lot of guys out there that are looking at buying a cheap gun to throw in the vehicle. Um, because if it does get stolen, I just want a cheap gun to get stolen. Um, you know, if, you, if you're in this situation where you're thinking that you actually need a long gun, you don't need an unreliable piece of crap long gun. You need a legit gun. Um, and that'll bring us to our last topic in a minute. But, you know, the function of the weapon, um, a lot of guys, too, were looking at some of these trunk monkeys, AR pistols, things of that nature, um, and taking the size component of that to a ridiculous level. As a general rule of thumb, a 10.5 inch AR rifle and, or AR pistol, AR carbine, SBR, whatever, 10.5 uh, inch gun in 5.56 is about as short as you want to go. And it probably should say something like Daniel Defense, um, LMT, uh, LWRC, or something like Bravo that on the company. site. Bravo Company. Um, curiously enough, Bravo Company doesn't make a 10.5 inch AR, they sell some other 10.5 inch uppers but they don't manufacture a 10 and a half, five, five, six gun. The shortest they'll go is 11 and a half. So if you're piecing something together, you know, we kind of recommend 11 and a half inch guns are longer from a reliability perspective. That inch gives you a little bit of forgiveness, um, both with the gun and your wife. So, you know, maybe take advantage of that. So, um, but the function of that gun, if you're putting, you know, you're buying a, a cheapy, um, I don't want to pick on any brand names so that you know who they are, but if you're buying a cheapy seven inch AR pistol, understand that, you know, your ballistics are likely in the tank. Um, but the function of the gun's probably not going to be there either. It's probably not going to be reliable. Um, and, and those shorter guns tend to beat themselves up a lot more quickly than a 10 and a half or 11 and a half inch gun. So understand the function of what you're getting into. And then that device, if you go out and you train with your 16 inch gun all the time and you don't ever touch that trunk monkey, you're doing yourself a disservice too if it, especially if it has different sights on it if it has a different trigger in it different stock on it different ergonomics different lighting um you know then you're going to need to make sure you can make that gun actually work um also there are a lot of you know uh fold up nine millimeter guns and some small little nine millimeter ars and stuff like that too um again buying that gun throwing it in a bag throwing it in the vehicle if you need it it's better than nothing but train with the gun get out and shoot it get out and shoot it a lot um if it's if it's a serious tool for you then it's a serious tool for you most of us are in our vehicles a lot and if the gun's in the vehicle with you then you're around that weapon a lot you should train with it a lot there's a proportionality there that you should respect and adhere to to make sure you're skilled with that device because it does project force further out than your handgun typically and so you know we we we, we say that every miss hits a nun or an orphan um every miss with your rifle hits a nun or an orphan in the next county with significantly greater lethality. So understand the function aspect of that as well from a couple different angles. Yeah, one of the other things about you know, regularly training with a firearm that is kept in your vehicle is continually verifying that your sights are where they're supposed to be. Yes. Um, you know, we've now added you know, riding around in a vehicle. Um, if it's a pickup, pickup truck bed or a trunk, um, there's not a lot of extra padding back there, so things are taking vibration um, on, in a lot of vibration cycles as you're putting miles on the road. Um, zeros will shift, screws will work themselves loose. Um, it's your responsibility 
responsibility to ensure that you know your optics stays zeroed, your sight stay, stays zeroed, um, everything stays screwed down tight. Um, so that needs to be checked on a, a fairly regular basis. Yeah, and along those same lines, um, you're talking about potentially a higher moisture environment. Um, you're talking about exposure to temperatures, which can create moisture. If you go from hot to cold, cold to hot, etc., things, you know, moisture condenses. Um, you're talking about optics that have batteries in them being stored in that environment, and the batteries can leak or explode and, and foul. Um, you're talking about optics that, you know, a lot of times with optics, you have um, motion sensors on the new SIG and Hollow Sun products that if it's, if it's being moved around, then it's on. So, you know, you know, maybe checking your batteries a little more often and making sure that you're squared away there and, and replacing batteries on an interval that is, is way shorter than having it in the closet or the safe and taking it to the range once a week, once a month. Um, same thing with flashlights, they run on batteries. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons we recommend higher end flashlights that use CR123 batteries. Uh, CR123s are less affected by heat and cold. They'll work in a much wider temperature range and they tend to have about a 10 year shelf life. Um, you know, so if you're running a cheapy light or you're coppling something onto that gun to save a little bit of money and it's running on alkaline batteries, um, you're, you're probably asking for some issues. So make sure you're stepping your PM interval up probably to a dramatically shorter rate than you are with the gun that's in the closet or in the safe at home. Um, so, and then, yeah. so going from function and those conversations around making sure that the stuff you put on is premium and you're taking care of it, um, goes to cost. One, one more thing oh, about yeah. function. Uh, one of the things I think most people forget about with the trunk gun is being able to deploy it um, without actually deploying it. So in the event that my vehicle is disabled and I need to leave my vehicle, mm. uh, I would like to be able to move around without showing the world that I have yeah. this fancy, you know, long gun that makes me, or, you know, pistol long gun um, that makes me now, you know, a higher visibility target. Um, so whether that's a, a backpack or a gun bag or something that hopefully doesn't have molly all over the side of it with you know, Punisher flags and things taped to the side of it. Yeah. Um, you know, but a way to, to carry that gun in a fairly, you know, rapid deployable type setup, but that doesn't scream like, hey, I'm a target, shoot me first. Yeah, yeah. Or just bring undue attention to you. Um, you know, if you can legally carry the weapon concealed someplace in a backpack, then do so and don't bring attention. If it's a long gun and you decide, and you can't do that, you have a 16-inch rifle or something like that, strapping it over your shoulder and carrying it around will garner some attention. People will want to talk to you. Most of them will have a badge. So, yeah. um, and then along with this, if you're, if, uh, I'm going to go to cost. Um, you know, we're back to securing your stuff. Um, you can spend a, a ridiculously small amount of money and likely not have something that's going to do you a whole lot of good. You can spend a ridiculously large amount of money and maybe have something that still doesn't work. But either way, um, bear in mind the cost as you're looking at all this stuff because you're basically building an analog of whatever the gun is you'd normally grab anyway. So, you know, weigh that out and because it can get silly expensive. I know the gun that I'm gonna throw in my truck with the suppressor and everything else with it is we're talking about, you know, potentially $3,500. And now in theory, or at least in my mind, I'm leaving a class three item unsecured because even if it's in a steel locking vault inside of my locked vehicle with a car alarm, um, it's still not in a safe and I'm still not nearby, you know, at potentially at times. So, you know, that, that cost aspect to it, 
um, don't put anything in your vehicle, you're not willing to just basically take that same money and throw it in the trash because it, it, it can very potentially go away. So, yeah, interesting topic. Um, again, not intending to dissuade anyone or step on anyone's crank. Um, you know, if, if, if you're set up and you think it's important and something you should be doing, then as an American, do it. But, you know, the flip side to the right is the responsibility. Make sure you've got good kit. Make sure you've secured it properly. Make sure you understand how it works. Make sure you understand its limitations. Um, did I mention secure it properly? Um, you know, and then go train with the damn thing and make sure you can make it work. Yeah, on the on the securing it properly standpoint, um, kind of the, the gold standard and that's actually NIJ rated um, and is used by the FBI and like federal law enforcement and things is truck vault. Yes. Um, expect to pay north of three grand um, for a pickup truck set up from them, um, depending on, you know, how big and what you get. Uh, yeah. They are, but again, they are the standard. Yeah. And internally for an SUV or a vehicle with a large enough trunk, expect to pay north of a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars at a minimum, even if you're putting in the back of like for a vehicle they make it for. So Ford Expeditions because they're police cruisers. Um, Ford Explorers because they're police cruisers and different cars like that. Um, you can get them um, made to go in them, but it, it even for the car you're going to pay a grand. For the Explorer, you're going to pay at least a grand to fifteen hundred dollars, and then if you go to a pickup truck to get their high end version, yeah, it's three thousand dollars easy. Yeah, another company that's worth taking a look at for pickup trucks is called Dect D E C K E D. Um, they're doing high-density polyethylene stuff that's really well built um, out of Idaho. Um, if you got more questions about that setup, the guys over just down the street from us at Pickups Plus um, can get you squared away. Yeah, super, super cool device. Um, and, and then you can still add lockable storage within that um, as well. But what a, what a cool setup and definitely worth checking into. Um, even if it's not guns, even if it's camping gear, hunting gear, etc., that you want to be able to secure, or again, if you're law enforcement, it could be kit that you want to have in your truck. Um, you know, DECT is a really good alternative to non-firearm stuff um, that you could pick up and, and, and put in the vehicle and, and secure your stuff. Really, really slick stuff. Available for popular makes and models of pickup trucks. Um, maybe someday for SUVs, but maybe not. So. Yep. Cool. Yep. That's all I have. Um, yeah, check us out online. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Cap City Outfitters. You can see us on the web, capcityoutfitters.com. Uh, and then stop in and see us. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, yeah, stop in and see us. We'd love to see you. Um, bring any questions you might have. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it.